0: Blessing upon it. Thank you, Lord, again this evening for allowing us to come into your house and to worship you. Just thank you for Brother Eric, who's going to present the gospel to us here in a few moments. From your word, I just thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Just thank you for another time to give back to you that which you've given us. Just be with us now. Watch over and protect Brother Eric as he preaches in a few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. If you would, take your Bible at this time, and we're going to be in Hebrews chapter number 11, Hebrews in chapter 11, continuing on our series, um, living by faith, uh, looking at the different uh, Old Testament saints who are now in the grandstands of our lives uh, as this so great a cloud of witnesses. Uh, we're going to look at Moses tonight. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to read verses uh, 24 through 26. So just three uh, quick verses tonight. And if you would join me in standing very briefly as we read these, if you're able to do so. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through verse 26. The Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Uh, Lord, thank you for the service thus far. I pray, Lord, that you would bless now the preaching of your word. I pray that uh, you would help us to apply the truth to our own individual lives. Help us to say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way, and I pray, Lord, you'd be honored and glorified in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, we've uh, been going through the chapter of Hebrews chapter 11 uh, over the course of the last uh, several months, and uh, it's taking us a little bit of time to get through it, but uh, we are making our way through it. Uh, there's 40 verses, and we're, verse, we're going to finish verse 26, so we're over halfway done, and uh, we'll, we'll be there soon. Uh, but I think this has been a helpful and encouraging series, at least for me to study and for me to, uh, in my own personal uh, Christian life, to uh, learn these lessons and to apply them to my own life uh, as well. But uh, we've looked at a lot of these characters. Uh, we've looked at Abel. Uh, learning about the right worship, we've looked at Enoch having the right walk. We've looked at Noah, uh, who built that ark and got his family on that ark and did that by faith, even though it didn't make sense to anybody else. Uh, he was willing to do it. Abraham, uh, we looked at Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And last week, we saw how Moses' parents were highlighted because they were fearless parents. And now tonight, we actually get to this man by the name of Moses. Now, Moses was an incredible leader, as you know. Uh, and had some amazing things take place in his life and that God used him to do. Um, But as you know, also, he wasn't perfect. He had a checkered past. He, uh, like all of us, had skeletons in his closet. Remember, he killed an Egyptian, and uh, then the next day he goes and tries to break up a fight, and they're like, oh, yeah, were you going to kill me just like you killed the other guy yesterday? He's like, oh, boy, Uh, the truth is out. I better take off. Um, Then later he hit the rock when he was supposed to speak to the rock, when God specifically said, speak to the rock, and instead he was so upset he hit it out of anger. Um, But in spite of his imperfections, he was still referred to uh, in the eternal word of God as the meekest man on earth. Uh, He was able then to author the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, uh, and even some of the Psalms as well. He met with God on Mount Moriah and received the law of God. And he also uh, was most known, perhaps, for leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt. But really, as we think about that, before he could lead them out of Egypt, you see, he had to first personally be led out of Egypt in his own life, in his own heart. Now, Egypt in the Bible, for those who Uh, are familiar with the Bible, uh, has always really been a type or a picture of the world. And in these three verses, we find Moses choosing Christ over Egypt or over the world, which is an encouragement for us as believers to choose Christ over this world and the things that this world has to offer. At the age of 23, a man by the name of George Beverly Shea, a great singer with a ton of potential had a hard decision to make. He could accept a job offer in a secular singing position in New York City with a great salary and wide respect. Or he could continue singing in churches and for Christian radio programs. So while sitting at the family piano one early Sunday morning, he started to prepare a special hymn for the Sunday service. And on the piano, he found a poem written by Mrs. Ray F. Miller. He immediately began to compose the music for the poem and used that song that same morning in his father's church service. He also used those words to direct his life and has shared his song with audiences around the world. What was this song? What well, was the song we just sung a few moments ago. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. And the last stanza of that song answers the question, why? Why would you rather have Jesus than all this world has to offer? Why? Because he's fairer than lilies of rarest bloom. He's sweeter than honey from out of the comb. He's all that my hungering spirit leads. I'd rather have Jesus and let him lead. And the chorus says, "Than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. Oh, I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. And it was by faith that Moses, in our text here, said this, I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. While Moses didn't write the song that we sung a moment ago, he would have sung it well and sung it sincerely because that is exactly what he's highlighted for in verses 24 through 26 for choosing Christ over this world. Now, what specific allurements of the world did he reject and choose Christ instead? Well, I want us to notice three allurements that this world has to offer that he said no to and instead chose Christ over those allurements. What were they? First of all, notice here in verse 24 that Moses chose Christ over power. In verse 24 it says, by faith when he was come to years, when it was time to make a decision, and uh, some of you young people are are coming to that time in your life when uh, you now have to make your choice for many years your parents have made the choice for you and now it's coming to the point where it's time for you to be out on your own and decide who you will serve and who you will follow well when it was Moses's turn to do that in verse 24 the Bible says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter now if you remember uh, from last week when uh, Amram and Jochebed it was Jacobet, I'm sure, was the last one to uh, drop that uh, uh, that little ark in the uh, in the river there. And then we all know the story how uh, Pharaoh's daughter was out with her maidens and, and 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 she noticed this little baby boy coming by and she picked it up and and uh, ended up saying, well, w- I want to keep this little precious boy. I want to I want to raise this little boy. And uh, she said, well, we're going to need somebody to you know nurse. This baby, and and so we need to go hire someone. And, and Moses's sister Miriam was there, and she said, I, "I know a person. I've got a guy. You know, <laughs> I know a guy. Actually, I know a lady who'd be willing to do that." And and uh, Moses's mom, uh, Jacobet, actually got paid to nurse and uh, wean uh, Moses. Now, how many of you moms would have liked that job? I mean, you get paid to do what you would do normally. Well, but then after that time, uh, Pharaoh's daughter took Moses as uh, her little boy and, and uh, said, "You're gonna, you're going to grow up here in Egypt and you're going to have all the best that this kingdom has to offer. And so he got the best food. He had the best clothes. He had the best opportunities. But when it was time for him to make his own choice, verse 24 says, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. If he would have, continued on with that charade that he was Pharaoh's son, or Pharaoh's daughter's son, or really Pharaoh's grandson, if he would have continued on with that charade, there's no doubt that he would have potentially become the successor to the throne of Egypt. Moses could have been the next Pharaoh, or maybe second in line to Pharaoh. Well, being that he could have been called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, Moses had the opportunity, of course, if nothing else, to be part of the social elite of the day and, again, possibly become the successor to the throne. But Moses understood that he was of another blood, though. You see, he wasn't part of Egypt. He was a Jew. He was a Hebrew. And he was a member of God's chosen earthly people. And as one commentator pointed out, he wasn't going to step down from that role to become uh, a mere earthly uh, king. And many people clamor for fame, power, and influence in this life. They want to be somebody. They want all of the attention. We find somebody like that in one of the New Testament churches. His name was Diotrephes. In 3 John verse 9, it says this of him, I... Uh, John says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. This was a uh, church member that always wanted to have the attention, who always kind of butted into every conversation and brought the attention back to himself, and uh, thought he was somebody, and and uh, kind of had a big, uh, big head, and uh, wanted all of the attention. Moses had the opportunity to have power, and influence, and fame, uh, being that he was he could have been called the Pharaoh's uh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but instead he said, "I'm not going to do that. I'm going to refuse that." Think about social media and how much it has increased this unquenchable desire for fame and for influence and for popularity, and it is. Increase this exponentially. I read just this week, um, I think it was this week or maybe late last week, but there was a a teenage influencer, a social media influencer, who had 1.7 million followers on her social media platforms. And uh, she had her accounts deleted by her mom. (laughs) Uh, Here's the article, Fernanda... Rocha Kanner's 14-year-old daughter, Brazilian influencer Valentina Nina Rios, had 1.7 million followers on TikTok and Instagram where Kanner decided to step in. The content Rios posted mainly consisted of recreated dance videos and selfies. And here's what mom said. I don't want my brilliant daughter doing her daily dances like a trained baboon. Mom said, it's a sad generation for which this counts as fame. She's right. It is a sad generation that that uh, gets you all this influence if you dance like a trained baboon. The mama bear defended the drastic action of deleting the account, saying that social media had become unhealthy for her daughter. Here's what mom said. It's hard enough for you to find out who you are at 14 years old, When there are two million followers you've never seen in your life thinking they know you, it's even more dangerous. It's easier to lose yourself. Canner went on to explain that she doesn't want her daughter growing up to believe that she has to continue to play this character. (coughs) Canner said her job as Valentina's mother is not to be your buddy. Amen, parents, and that's a good reminder. Uh, We're not here to be our, our our. children's best friend we're here to be their parent and to guide them into the way of the lord Uh, that's why we're here now hopefully we can be buddies along the way but uh, there's going to be there's going to have to be times where we're going to have to take off the buddy hat and be the parent and here this uh, lady was willing to do that she said uh, her job is not to be your your buddy and accepts that her daughter probably won't appreciate this intervention until much later in life. Now, 14-year-old Rias commented that she was quite angry with her mother's decision to play the ultimate mom card. Yeah, probably. Um, but here's the deal: people, even teenagers, want this fame and this fortune, this fame and this popularity and this influence. Uh, they they want to be somebody. Now, instead of great earthly power, fame, and influence, instead Moses said no and chose Christ instead. He found his identity in not how many followers he had, but in who he chose to follow. He chose to follow the Lord. Ephesians 1 and verse number 6. The Bible says, To the praise and glory of his grace, wherein he, God, hath made us accepted in the beloved. We need to find our identity in the Lord, not in how many people uh, follow us. We need to find our identity in Christ. And Moses said, I'm going to say no to power, say no to fame, say no to all this potential influence that I could have, and instead, I'm going to choose Christ and find my identity in Him. So Moses chose Christ over power. But then secondly, notice, Moses chose Christ over pleasure. In verse 25, we find this truth here. He says in verse 25, Moses choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That's quite a contradiction. Quite a contrast, I mean. He says he chose to suffer than to experience pleasure. That's pretty remarkable. Now... These pleasures of sin, notice that they are only fleeting and temporary. In verse 25, it says, Then to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Yes, there is pleasure in sin. And if there wasn't, no one would do them. <laughs> it feels good to sin. But that, that feeling of good is very temporary at best, and it's fleeting. Um, these pleasures are a little like a tornado. They're exciting and powerful for a moment, but the aftermath is destruction and death. These sinful pleasures lead to pain, regret, scars, tears. Uh, They tear relationships apart. They hurt others, and they limit our usefulness for the Lord. James 1 and verse 15 says, And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. These pleasures, these momentary pleasures uh, that uh, Moses was, had at his fingertips. I mean, he could, uh, all the different vices, all the different pleasures the world had to offer, uh, Moses could have had any and all of them uh, with the opportunities that he had being Pharaoh's daughter. But instead, he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Someone once correctly said, sin will take you farther than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you far more than you wanted to pay. I've seen that a lot of times in my, in my life, in the lives of others. I've even seen it in my own life, too. And uh, don't think that you're an exemption to that. That you're immune from that. That oh no, I that doesn't apply to me. Uh, David, the man after God's own heart, the sweet psalmist of Israel, wrote much of the uh, beautiful psalms that we have in the Word of God today. He would testify that yes, sin will take you farther than you wanted to go. And yes, it will keep you longer than you wanted to stay and cost you far more than you wanted to pay. I mean, it was just one night with someone else's wife. I mean, what's the big deal? It's just one night. Um, Hold your place here in Hebrews 11 and go to Psalm 32. This is not going to... This doesn't include the consequences, the ramifications that he had to deal with later on in life. But this is what was going on inside of David after that momentary time of pleasure. It's no big deal. I mean, he's the king. He should be able to get away with it. He should have, you know, some, you know, RHIP, rank has its privileges. You know, we, I'm a king. I should be able to have some fun and enjoyment, some pleasure, Is that too much to ask? I'm the king after all. Well, after that uh, time of sin, here's the regret and what was going on inside him. Psalm 32 in verse number 1, it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. So he's speaking here as a forgiven man. And he has said, man, it is good to be forgiven. It is good to come clean. It is good to deal with my sin. Because here's what I was going through in verses 3 and 4. He says, but when I kept silence, when I was trying to keep the sin covered up and sin swept under the rug, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Like every day my bones were so achy. There was physical, uh, it affected him physically when he was going through this time of guilt. (coughs) Verse 4, for day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. This joy that uh, we're supposed to be having as believers, as God's children, he didn't have any joy because there was sin in the camp. There was sin in his heart and his life that that needed to be dealt with. It was all because for one night he chose pleasure over Christ. Pleasure, you can head back over to Hebrews chapter 11. Pleasure is a definite aspect of the last days in which we live. Paul promised Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. They're going to be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, and here it is, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. There We do live in a day where We love pleasure more than we love God. Maybe not we here like you and I, but generally speaking, our society. Uh, We do love pleasure. We, we, We would much rather go and enjoy time than to be in the house of God or to read our Bible. We'd rather do something more pleasurable than that. But I do want to compare two verses. Okay, I said back to Hebrews 11, so... I should, have, I should have kept you in Psalms, Psalms 16, Psalms 16, I do want to show you this verse here, and I want you to, com- I want to compare it with Hebrews 11:25. 25, Moses cha- chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So sin brings pleasure, but it is only for a season. Then the season is over, and then now we have the consequences. Now we have the repercussions. By the way, you can choose a sin, but, but it's up to God to choose the consequences. We don't always know what those consequences are going to be. A lot of times it's completely a surprise to us what those consequences are. Um, sometimes, I mean, you know what they're going to be. If you rob a bank, you get caught, you go to jail. Uh, that's a pretty simple one, but uh, when we when we sin in other ways, we don't know what those consequences are going to be, and what what the aftermath of that pleasurable season is going to be. But but there always will be uh, that season will end. That that pleasure will. Okay, uh, Psalm sixteen, and look in verse number eleven. Sixteen eleven. That's a that's a good reference. Uh, that was the year that the King James Bible came to be. Psalm 16:11 says, "Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore." So would you rather have pleasures that last forever? Or would you rather have pleasures that are temporary at best and usually bring tremendous consequence? What's your pick? And really, that's the same choice that all of us have. And Moses said, you know what? You can have the temporary pleasures. I pick the pleasures forevermore, and so I'm going to choose to rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy those temporary pleasures because I want the pleasures forevermore. Remember Joseph in the book of Genesis? He was faced with the temptation of pleasure. Instead, chose to kept it to keep his character and chose Christ over that moment of pleasure. It was Paul who instructed Timothy to flee youthful lusts, and we're encouraged to do the same. Flee youthful lusts. Don't choose pleasure over Christ. Choose Christ over pleasure. Two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. What's it going to be? Moses chose to please God over pleasing self. So Moses chose Christ over power. Moses chose Christ over pleasure. And then thirdly, Moses chose Christ over prosperity. Back in Hebrews 11, it says in verse 26, Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Moses literally could have riches beyond his wildest dreams there in Egypt, if he would have chose to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But instead, he chose Christ over riches, over prosperity. He walked away from those riches. Why did he make that choice? Why did he choose Christ over riches, Christ over prosperity? The end of that verse, 26, says this, he had respect under the recompense of the reward. That's a little bit of Fancy way of saying that he thought of the reward that was waiting for him in glory. He knew that this life was temporary and that this world is not our home and our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The reason that uh, the Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews mentioned this is because the Hebrew Christians there too were facing the same decision whether they were going to accept the riches that this world had to offer or to choose a faithful life for Christ. They were being persecuted for their faith. And if they were to reject Christ, they could receive all kinds of compensation and they could keep their jobs and everything was going to would, would just go okay as long as they chose to reject Christ, but the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage them to keep running their race and keeping their eyes on Christ and to uh, choose Christ over prosperity. Now brothers and sisters, as we've mentioned, um, I believe we are faced we are headed for a time of persecution. We've already seen, uh, you know, will that happen in our lifetime here in America where we are um, having to choose Christ over prosperity? I believe the answer is very likely we will and not too much down the road from here. We've already seen the incentives that people are uh, trying to give for getting the COVID vaccine. Krispy Kreme donuts, if you show your sticker or whatever it is that you got your vaccine. We'll give you some free beer, free fishing licenses, and even free marijuana if you show that you got the vaccine. So it's really not too far-fetched nowadays for us to imagine a world where those who hold to those old-fashioned, archaic ideas will be persecuted and offered great prosperity or the ability to keep their jobs if they would just simply agree to let go of those archaic ideas. Those ideas such as there's only one way to heaven. You let go of that, then you get to keep your job and we'll call it good. You sign a paper saying that uh, you're not going to go on and on about this salvation through Christ alone and you sign a paper saying that you agree to that, then, then you keep your job. Ideas like marriage between one man and one woman for life. You you hold to that idea? Uh, We're going to have to, I mean, I really don't think it's going to be long before that's the case. Ideas like killing the unborn is wrong? You need to be way more tolerant than that, my friend, if you're going to work in this Fortune 500 company. My brother who works at a bank... He's a manager at a bank was telling me this week that they made him go through transgender, transgender training. Basically, you have to watch it and agree that you're not going to discriminate because of it. And, and I understand that to a point, but, but here's the deal. I think that uh, we are what we've seen happen with um, the vaccine and again, I'm not preaching for or against the vaccine tonight. Um, But we have seen that they are starting to use money as incentive or things to encourage us to uh, do what they want us to do. And uh, they could potentially start turning this into values. You start believing like we want you to believe, and then we'll give you free Krispy Kreme donuts. Or we'll give you free marijuana. Or you'll get to keep your job. And so here's the choice that we potentially are going to have to face. Are we going to hold to the truth and be faithful to the Lord and choose Christ? Or are we going to choose prosperity? Because after all, I need to provide for my family. God understands. I have children to feed. Or are we going to say, you know what? I'm not going to go against my God and his word. If that means I lose my job, so be it. He'll provide a different way there's a very likely potential that we'll have to face that in our lifetime. What are you going to do? And that's why the writer of Hebrews said he chose and he esteemed the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. I know, hey, I like to have things and have prosperity. I do. But I hope that if I am faced with that particular decision that I'll choose like Moses did to esteem the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt or this world or America, however you want to say it. Will you choose prosperity over Christ? I hope the answer is yes. Now I want us to consider, uh, we're going to wrap this up tonight. But uh, I do want us to contrast Moses, who chose Christ over power, pleasure, and prosperity, with a man who ministered alongside the Apostle Paul. Paul simply says this, Demas hath forsaken us, having loved this present world. We don't know exactly what it was that drew Demas' heart away from ministry and serving the Lord, once again, Paul simply says that he loved this present world. We're called in 1 John chapter number 2 to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. By the way, I was thinking about this in relation to 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, all of those are found here. These temptations that Moses faced. In verses 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he was a come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I believe that is the pride of life that was offered to Moses. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I think that was the lust of the flesh. And then verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. That was the lust of the eyes. And in each one of those situations, Moses said, No, I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. It was Eve way back in the Garden of Eden who took of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because Satan appealed to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And she succumbed to the deception and gave to her husband, and he did eat as well. And all of us are sinners because of that moment. You and I are going to be facing those same temptations, the lust of the flesh. The pride of life and the lust of the eyes as we go through this world. What are we going to choose? Are we going to choose Christ over power, pleasure, and prosperity? Or are we going to choose those other things that this world has to offer? End with one more story and we'll be done. About 150 years ago, there was a great revival in Wales. Well, as a result of this, many missionaries came to northeast India to spread the gospel. The region known as Assam was comprised of hundreds of tribes who were primitive and aggressive headhunters. Into these hostile and aggressive communities came a group of missionaries from the American Baptist Missions, spreading the message of love, peace, and hope in Jesus Christ. Naturally, they were not welcomed with open arms. But one missionary did succeed in converting a man and his wife and two children to the Lord Jesus. And this man's faith proved contagious, and many villagers began to accept Christ as a result. Well, the village chief was angry and summoned all the villagers to come and have a village meeting. He then called the family who had first converted to Christianity to renounce their faith in public or face persecution. I mean, not persecution, execution. Execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit, the man instantly composed a song which became famous down the years. And he's saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Most of us know the next two lines. No turning back. No turning back. Well, enraged at the refusal of the man, the chief ordered his archers to arrow down the two children. As both boys lay twitching on the floor, the chief asked the man, will you deny your faith now? You've lost both of your children, and you're about to lose your wife too. But the man sang these words in reply, though no one joins me, still I will follow. Though no one joins me, still I will follow. Though no no one joins me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. Well, the chief was beside himself with fury and instantly ordered his wife to be arrowed down. And in a moment, right before his eyes, she joined her two children in death. Now he asked for the last time, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. And in the face of death, the man sang the final memorable lines. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross, it's before me. The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. And right after he sang that, he was shot dead like the rest of his family. You say he chose Jesus over life. He'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today, that man did. And I want to encourage us uh, by looking at the life of Moses to choose Christ over the things that this world has to offer. We potentially are going to face these times down the road here very soon. And I pray that all of us would have the strength and the faith to choose like Moses did. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Let's uh, pray together, and then I think we'll end the service by singing this song. I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for the life of Moses. And uh, we didn't get into a lot of detail in his life. But Lord, I just kind of hit the surface that he chose you over a lot of things this world that everybody in this world is chasing. They're chasing power. They want to have influence. They want to have followers. They want to be famous. Lord, he chose you instead. A lot of people want pleasure. And and to get the next fix, the next high, the next uh, uh, sensual pleasure, Lord, Moses could have had all of those things, and, and he chose to follow you instead. Lord, many people are, are choosing prosperity and willing to do, uh, go to great lengths to get it. Yet Moses could have had all of that. Instead, he chose you. Father, I pray that you would help us to choose you over the things that this world has to offer. And Lord, like this man who wrote the song we're about to sing, had great faith in spite of tremendous persecution. Help us, Lord, to have great faith in spite of the potential persecution coming down the road for us. Help us, Lord, to stand strong. I I pray it doesn't happen. I pray we don't have to face this type of persecution. That would be a blessing. But, Lord, all signs are pointing to the fact that we will. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to choose you over the things that this world has to offer, the carrots that the government perhaps would hang over our heads and say, reject Christ and we'll give you this. Help us, Lord, to choose you instead, no matter what the consequences would be. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask uh, Ms. Platt to play through. I have decided to follow Jesus. And uh, as she does, I want to just invite you to have a time of prayer there, a time of decision, and then we'll sing this song together as we wrap up our service.